Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Verse 7 and verse 16. Three specific roles of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 7, verse 16. Verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for me, I mean for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Praise the Lord. It's about if I depart, I will send him unto you. Then verse 16. Verse 16 says, Now, talking about the Holy Spirit that will judge the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. In other words, saying the Holy Spirit will, you know, convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Amen? Okay. That's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. So, let's start with the issue of the judgment of the prince of this world. Ordinarily, when you talk about the prince of this world, you are automatically referring to Satan in that sense. So, you get it right from there. So, let's quickly look at John chapter 12 and we'll read from verse 20. John chapter 12. From verse 20. And he said, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we will see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, as verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. And verse 27 or 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, he with my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. 28, okay, 29, okay, 28 again. 
Father, glorify thy name. Then come and there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Next verse says, The people therefore that stood by and heard it said, It thundered. All that said, an angel speak to him. And verse 30, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Amen? And then verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be what? Be cast out. Hallelujah. Okay, this is the key point because he said in John 16 verse number 11, Raleigh said, the prince of this world is going to be judged. And then before this time, he has already made mention of this in this verse uh, 31 of John 12. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now I want us to look at it from the Amplified Translation. John 12, 31, Amplified. Amplified Translation. Now the judgment, in bracket, crisis, of this world is coming on. Sentence is now being passed on this world. Now the ruler, evil genus, prince of this world, shall be cast out, in bracket, what? Expelled. And I want you to know that because very important. The English word crisis, one of the definitions of the word crisis means an unstable time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. Is that alright? So when he said, now shall the prince of this world be cast out, there is going to be, it's like saying a decisive moment, but a change, unavoidable change, is going to take place. Now, I will tell you something that it's like saying the prince of this world or the evil genius of this world or that which you call Satan is in charge. But this moment, a change is coming that is unavoidable. Is that okay? So we are talking about Jesus speaking of a change that is to come. And in that instance, what you should be able to realize that will come to your mind is Another ruler is coming into place, in place of the ruler that was there. Because it talks about being expelled. So when somebody says expelled from a system, somebody has takes over. Is that okay? So wow, if the prince of this world is expelled out, that means the true ruler comes up. Are you getting that now? That is the inevitable change, which is a crisis we're talking about. Now, as you progress in your studies, You'll be able to understand why Jesus says, All power in heaven is what? And earth is, is what? Is given unto me. Fine. Why? Because the one that was controlling the world have been what? Cast out. Expelled from the system. His authority have been taken away. Now somebody else is in the place of power and dominion. Now the Greek word for judgment is important. Like I said, survives in an English word crisis, like I said about covers much more meaning since it embraces also the idea of a final settlement and a jurisdiction. And now, what I mean to say is, this is the point at which the decision has to be taken. So when he said the hour is come, that the prince of this world shall be cast out, this is the decisive moment. What he's trying to say is this. All of those passages 
verses we've read points to one thing. I'm going to the cross. And when I get to the cross, that is when the decisive moment is going to do what? Take place. Right from the time of the cross, a new authority comes into the world. The old one is expelled from the world. You get that? Praise the Lord. So we find that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is actually what initiated the crisis in contents between Satan and God, if I may use the word. Though basically they are not as if they are contesting, but you know in Genesis 3, uh, something happened, which is like a crisis also, because Satan came and deceived Adam and Eve. Remember that? And so it's like the situation changed. It's like saying the allegiance to God was shifted to somebody else. So right from that time, Satan was ruling men or controlling men. But now Jesus comes to the throne, I mean to the place, and is going to the cross so that that authority which Satan was ruling and controlling men may be taken away from him. Are you getting that? That's the point of the judgment. That's what the crisis stands on. So when we're talking about judgment of this world, we're talking about basically the power of Satan being what? Being judged. Hallelujah. Okay. So the meaning of it may be does express. I mean, it can be expressed in this way. Now it's approaching the decisive scene, the eventual period, the crisis period, when it shall be determined who shall rule the world. I'm just trying to paraphrase it. So the time of the crisis is the point at which we're saying who will rule the world next. Is that alright? It's like there is a contest coming up, so we're looking at who will rule the world next? That is the crisis periods. That is the determining periods. Is that alright? But in this context, we know that Jesus became victorious. So he's the one ruling the world. Amen? That's why he's called the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. All over. Praise the living God. So, verse 31 again. Now is the judgment of this world. Again, this could mean very critical. Remember, when we started as to what is the world? When he said to convince the world. How many of you still remember? Convincing the world is not just convincing, you know, the natural object. It's convincing people. And so we also found that in, in that study, the people that God was actually talking about was the Jewish people. Because the Bible says he came on his own, his own received him not. Remember that? Okay. So again, if you look at this, you can also see from that perspective. The judgment of this world. Which world is being judged here? Other than Satan being judged, we find out again that the Jewish people are going to be judged. In other words, it's a time of crisis for the Jewish people when certain things are going to happen to them. Praise the Lord. Reason is very simple. Because the Jewish people in quotes, in what you call the Gentile world as well, we are being controlled by the blindness of their mind so that they don't accept Jesus Christ by Satan. Are you getting that? Okay, I'm, I will give you some scriptures on that, but let's see, move on for a while. So we find that Satan hardened the heart of the Jewish people, hardened the heart of men, both Jews and Gentiles, so that they don't believe. And accept Jesus Christ. So this crisis period is when trouble and terrible times will come to 
this unbelieving set of people, and at the same time, as we progress, you find that the eyes of these people will get opened. So the judgment will do two things. You understand it? It will open the eyes of the blind, if you will, to see, to understand. And at the same time, we punish the people who ought to see, who have refused to see. By reason of the prince of this world. Hallelujah. So we find that Jesus' authority is all over the world. But let's look at something. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3. Second Corinthians 4 verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world, are you getting that? Has blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should do what? Should shine unto them. Let's take it from the Amplified Translation. Second Corinthians 4. Amplified. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelieving minds. That they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of who? Of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's take verse 4, verse 3 of this Second uh, Corinthians again. Verse 3. Look at what it says. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings also be hidden, obscured and covered up, with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and who obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veil only to those who are lost. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, but again, again, let's get down to verse 5. Verse 5 of this same passage amplifies still. What is verse 5 saying? Okay. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your servant slaves, for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and it's revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Praise the Lord. Now, this takes you back to what we studied previously. So you get down to Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And you'll be able to see what happened. I mentioned to you that the deep basically is the heart of man. You go down to Genesis 1 3, what did he say? And God said, okay, let's take him from verse 1. So that you follow sequentially. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Is that okay? Verse 2. And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. Okay, now, you go to Second Corinthians, and you see what I'm talking about. When God said, let there be light, it is the darkness of the heart of man that that light is coming into. So that the knowledge... Are you getting that? Good. Of who God is, might be restored. 
Praise the Lord. Okay. So, we find that there are several people whose hearts are darkened, whose understanding are darkened, whose knowledge is so darkened they can receive the light of the gospel. Now, don't forget, the Bible says, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto what? Unto salvation. So, if you don't receive the gospel, therefore you can be saved. Now, we are talking about this gospel coming into the heart of man by way of reception. So the receptivity comes into play when God's light begins to break forth into the darkness of the heart of man. But the Bible now said, the prince of this world, or Satan as it were, has veiled the heart of man so that this penetrating power will not go through. So that brings again what we call the judgment. So when the judgment takes place, what happens? The veil is broken. But man begin to receive the light. Are you with me? Okay. Go with me to First Corinthians. Another said, First Corinthians two verse number seven. It says, "But we speak the wisdom of God in mystery. Even the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory." Verse number eight. Which none of the princes, now you watch that, it is a prince, but what? Princess. None of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Who are these people? The Jewish hierarchy of the priests. The priesthood. If they have known him, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So now, when we talk about the darkness in the heart of man, we find also now that the Jewish system, the God their heart darkened, and because of this darkness, the light of the glory of gospel couldn't come true. Therefore, they stood to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are we following so far? So when we begin to say now the judgment of this world, the world that crucify who? The Lord of glory. And what was up is that supposed to be? The Jewish system. Hallelujah. So now shall the prince of this world be cast out, Satan, who has gained possession of it by sin and death. But we're talking about it being cast out, and that is also the judgment. So here we find that God is judging, is condemning, is casting out the one that has possession of this world. By the way, if I want to look into that, what does it mean then to possess? It simply means to possess is primarily to have knowledge. It is what you have knowledge of that you can possess. Are you there with me? How did Satan possess the world? He gave a knowledge to the people of the world. And because he bought into his knowledge, he became their ruler. So for you to possess a thing, you have to have knowledge of that thing. I'll give you a simple illustration. If you are given a brand new car, and you don't have to drive. It simply means you don't have the knowledge of how to manage the machine of the car. Though the car is there with the key, as long as you don't have the knowledge, the car is not in your possession. Am I making sense? Good. So what makes you possess the car is to have a driving knowledge of that car. You can operate the machine, then it becomes yours. So whatever you cannot have knowledge about, you can possess. Meaning, for you to possess a thing, you have to have knowledge of that thing. So what happened? 
for Satan to possess the world, he gave a knowledge to the people that were supposed to be rulers of this world. Because he understand that God said, have dominion. That was the power he gave to man in the beginning. Is that okay? Now for him to lose that dominion, he gave him another knowledge. And now because man submitted to this new knowledge, therefore Satan become the possessor of what? Of the world. So now, if we must take possession of this world back, it simply means we have to dethrone or get that knowledge out and get another knowledge. Come on. Are you there with me? Good. So what knowledge are we getting? The knowledge of who? Of Jesus Christ, which is the glory of who? Of God. So what is happening now is, for those who are blinded, they can possess the world. They can rule the world. They can have dominion because their knowledge is limited to the knowledge of the previous ruler. And now, God is saying, you receive my knowledge, the glory of that which I am, which I represent, the light that shines in darkness. And so men are coming to the place where they are debating that. And because they are debating that, it becomes practically impossible for them to possess what they are supposed to possess. And that's why people say knowledge is power. How many of you have heard that before? Good. Praise the Lord. That's the point. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is the key. Anything you're talking about, anything you want to have in life, all of those struggles we are passing through, all you need to do is to have the right knowledge. Just the right knowledge. I remember a folk story sometime when we were young, moonlight story. And um, I think the hair, or what animal is that, was very um, smart and fast running. And then they said they set up a race between this animal, this creature, and the turtles. And so they were running. And um, they thought they spent some time, but this egg just came along, and then uh, they got to the place where there was the wood falling down, and uh, this egg was trying to go through the top. It was jumping with fall back, jumping with fall back. Tortoise finally caught up with this egg, and there was a little opening under, it went through under, which would have even been sufficient for the previous, I mean the first animal to pass through, but it was trying to jump through. The hurdles. Are you getting that? But there was an opening. Simple wisdom. Tortoise passed through that opening and became first on the race. I mean, that is it. So, knowledge is power. Wisdom delivers you. That's why in the book of Isaiah 33 verse number 6. Can you please put down the board for me? Isaiah 33 verse number 6. Hallelujah. Look at that. And wisdom and knowledge shall be what? The stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is what? Is his treasure. Wisdom and knowledge. That's all you need. That's all you need. Wisdom and knowledge. Now Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. I mean, if you understand that. Give me Proverbs chapter 4 verse number 7. Let me see if that's what I have there. Let's try. Look at that. Wisdom is what? The principal thing. The word principal means first. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And we thought I get and get what? Understanding. Now Isaiah 33 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge, which is understanding as well, is the stability of what? Of your times and the strength of your salvation. Now, this wisdom which is Christ, First Corinthians one twenty four, 
Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. This wisdom, which is Christ, is what Satan blinds the heart of people from receiving. Why? Because if they receive that wisdom, they become possessor of that which belongs to them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I want you to get this right because it's very crucial. So let's look at something, for instance, when God was giving commission, Jesus was giving commission to, to Apostle Paul. Let's go down to Acts chapter 26. Let's look at verse 17. When he was delivering this message, in fact, in the place of King Agrippa, he was trying to defend his cause. So let's look at it. Acts 26 verse 17. He said, Jesus was speaking to Paul. Then Saul, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. To do what? Open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Now watch, watch, watch. How did God turn darkness to light in Genesis 1-3? Let there be light. Good. Open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. So what's the power of Satan? Ignorance. Did you get that? Power of Satan is not all those things you run around for the people try to do now. Power of Satan is nothing but what? Ignorance. Ignorance. Okay. Power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, which is in me. But I would like us to read something. Hosea 4, 6. Hosea 4, 6. We're going to come back here. And look at it from another translation. But Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing that I have forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forgot thy children. You know, we end up by simply saying, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But that's not the end of the matter. He was talking to the priesthood. He was talking to the church. Hallelujah. So because I have rejected knowledge, you reject it. That's a problem. Men still reject knowledge today. Hallelujah. Because if rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That I be no priest to me. So what really brings you to the priesthood is knowledge. Knowledge of the things of God, knowledge of the mind of God. Hallelujah. Seeing that I have forgotten the law of thy God, I also forgot thy children. Amen. Are we still together? <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Okay, back to Act twenty six seventeen from the message translation. Let's look at it from first of all, let's look at it from the amplifier. I'm going to read three translations on this. Seventeen, Act twenty six seventeen amplify. Choosing you out, selecting you for myself, Jesus speaking to Paul, Saul then, and delivering you from among these Jewish people, 
and the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins and a place and portion among those who are consecrated and purified by me. And I would like you to observe that who purifies us? Christ himself. Hallelujah. Okay, let's take it again from the message translation. There are some things I want you to see which are emphatic. I'm sending you off. That's commissioning. Hallelujah. To open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven. Sins forgiven is an offer. Hallelujah. And a place in the family. That's why I call it inheritance. Inviting them into the company of those who begin reliving by believing in me. And I want you to look at that word. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family. That's why I said those who receive inheritance which is by me. So, we are talking about the things that God has made available in the household of faith. For instance, we know of how Abraham, we are told, gave gift to the concubine and that Isaac may be left behind in order to inherit all things that belongs to who? To Abraham. Hallelujah. So what is happening? We were blinded. We do not have understanding of what is supposed to be ours by right of birth in the family. We were estranged from God. Now you can get why Jesus started by telling the people when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. Meaning, by reason of you coming to me, your eyes have been opened, your sins have been forgiven, you are now initiated into the family of God. Therefore, God is now who? Your Father. You understand that? And if God is your Father, then it means you've come to the place where you can also do what? Inherit. Because every son inherits from the Father's house. That's why the prodigal son could go to the father and say, give me the portion that belongs to me. He was asking for his inheritance. But there was nothing wrong with that. Are you getting that? So he got his inheritance because he's a son. So now the Bible is saying, when your eyes are open, you realize your sins are forgiven. What's the next thing? You know now that you belong to a family, which is God's family. And if you belong to God's family, and God owns the arts, the Bible says, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs unto who? Belongs to God. What is your portion? As somebody who is an heir, you are an heir together with Abraham, and all that God has is yours. Praise the Lord. Are we following so far? This is just what means the judgment. So the judgment is actually opening the eyes of men by spelling the veil from the heart of men and that which is responsible for the veil. 
And when that is taken away, you have your liberty. You should be able to see. If your sins are forgiven, if God is not counting your sins against you, He's not counting anything about generational causes against you, of course, God intends you to be well, to be strong, to be healthy, to be completely healed of all forms of sicknesses and diseases because those things are not part of the inheritance in this family. We have to believe God for that. Hallelujah. Are you catching me? Because there are certain things that belong to the world and we are no longer in the world though we are in this world. But we have to be able to experience what belongs to us. And part of the things that belongs to us as we've been dealing with previously is good health. Because by his stripes we are healed. Good health. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Now you talk with me. Uh, take a few things. Whoosh. Still long a bit. Right. Go with me to Matthew. Chapter 12. Reading from verse 27. King James. Whew. And if I buy Bezebub. Now, now, now. He healed a man, cast out spirit devils, and then they said, Oh, he's using the spirit of Bezebub, the prince of Bezebub. Is that okay? And he said, And if by Bezebub cast out devils, and by whom do your children cast them out? Because your children were practicing exorcism. Alright? And they said, Therefore they shall be your judges. Verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then what? The kingdom of God is come unto you. Verse 29. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? Except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil what? His house. What do you think he's talking about? Now the prince of this world is being cast out, which is the devil. He owns this world. So what is happening is, he's saying, I am binding the strong man and I'm destroying his power and I'm expelling him out of the system. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Good. That you will come to the rightful place of your possession as a child of God with power and dominion on the face of the earth. Praise the Lord. So you will find that the prince of this world is being cast out. And the truth is the cross did cast him out. Praise the Lord. The cross dethroned him. It's now nothing but a usurper. Who claims as he claims to be in charge, but he's not. Did you get that? The devil is claiming to be in charge, but he's not in charge. So, the book of Proverbs says... Even if, if, as a matter of fact, Peter speaking says, the lion is moving like a roaring, the devil is moving like a roaring lion. Now when he says like, he doesn't make it a lion. Huh? Doesn't make it a lion? No. But it's acting like one. <laughs> so the devil frightens you. So it's like, 
I remember watching one little clip of video a few days ago. Here is a lady. Robbers came to rob her. And she took a toy gun. A toy gun, right? And pointed his toy gun on these robbers. And they thought it was a real gun. And they started running for their dear lives. He scared away the robbers with a toy gun. There was nothing. It was just a toy gun. He had no gun. But he thought he had a gun. The, the, the devil fears and frightens you and intimidates you thinking that he's strong. But he's nobody. The devil is nobody. The devil had no power. I am saying he was destroyed. He was cast out. He was humiliated. He was dehumanized on the cross. You understand what I'm saying? All his powers were taken from him right on the cross. But he's acting like one. And the church unfortunately is promoting him even what he is not. They make him feel so big. They paint him so big, so mighty, so strong, so energetic. But the devil is a defeated foe. He has no power. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So here we find that when he says casting out devils, it's not only, it's not just the one. Let, let me read the scripture. Let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we'll read it from, first of all, I'll read verse 1, and I'll go to 17 to 18, then to 19. Verily as, verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door. Did I say John chapter 10? Luke, I'm sorry. Go to Luke for me. Luke chapter 10, not John. Hallelujah. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two, before his face into every city and place where himself will go. Two and two. Let's take verse number two and see. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Hallelujah. It means they were casting out devils. Is that okay? Okay, go to verse 17 for time's sake. That's all right now. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Let's look at verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I have always asked this question, and those of you who have been in these studies, you are familiar with that. The church have told us that Satan fell where? In Isaiah chapter 14. Am I right? But here is a confession Jesus is just making. The disciples came back and uh, he said he saw Satan falling. So which time was he referring to? Was it the previous one or another one? You see that? Hallelujah. And again we remember in John 12, 31, he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Not then. Not before then. 
So the casting out of Satan took place on the cross. And so, before he went to the cross, he sent the 70, he gave them power to cast the devils, and they went out into the street, and they came back and they said, In your name, the devil is subject unto us. And he said, Rejoice not, because the devil is subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written where? In heaven. What he's trying to say is this, you, have, you now belong to another community, you now belong to another family, you now belong to another kingdom. Amen? And that is why you can do what you are doing. So get, get, guess what? Jesus cast a devil, his disciples casting a devil. What's that supposed to mean? And any time a devil is cast out, God's kingdom is established. So what is happening? There is a recession on the kingdom of darkness. Is that okay? The more the church advances, the more darkness goes off. It's like you put on a light, the more light comes on, the more darkness fades away. You see the sun rise up in the morning, darkness and the night begins to fade away. Are you following me? And that is why you and I, the Bible refers to us as well, the light of the world. That means we can move to whatever places we want to, wherever we step into, what is happening? Darkness is receding. Light is coming. We bring more of God's kingdom. Anytime you cast out the devil, you are establishing God's kingdom on the face of the earth. Are you following it? Praise the living God. So we find that lightning is an image of rapidity or quickness. When he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What he's trying to say, I saw him fall so quickly or rapidly. Is that okay? That's what he's trying to say. I see his fall very rapid. It's like saying, I haven't even gone to the cross yet. Yet my disciples have started doing some good jobs in casting out devils. It's so quick. As soon as I get to the cross, ultimate power will be released. It's not a question of, I am sending. It's already within them. What is happening? When he sent, they cast the devils. But now, he's not only going to speak, he's resident in you. That means you have power to cast a devil wherever you find one. And the more dark is done, the more darkness recedes. The more light comes into the world. And so the Bible says you are the light of the world. Did it say so? Glory to God. So here we find that devil is falling down. Like lightning. is going out of the way. Kingdom of Satan, if you will, is going out. And kingdom of light is coming in. And it's coming in sort of sharp and a quick succession. And every time a child is born into the kingdom of God and he goes out and begins to cast a devil, we find that darkness is giving way for more light to advance on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. No matter what you're hearing on the news, no matter what you're seeing in maybe newspapers and television, whatever troubles you find in the world, that have not stopped God from moving. God is still in the process of conquering the world, and God is conquering the world. Amen? The Bible said the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There is an increase, there is a multiplication of this kingdom process, and it's going on, and every time God's kingdom advances, the kingdom of darkness is receding. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says. That means we keep moving, you keep moving, and everywhere you step into, light is breaking forth. Hallelujah. And this has happened when your mind is open to the revelation of the Son of God. You becoming the express image and the glory of who? Of God. Hallelujah. Let's take a final scripture and then we are done for tonight. Second Corinthians 3 and the last two verses. 
Second Corinthians 3 in the last two verses. Praise the Lord. Is anybody following me? Second Corinthians 3 and look at the last two verses. 17, 18, you can find it. Okay. Anyway, they're unable to put it for you on the board. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking you no longer have that in your Bible. Alright. Now, the Lord is that spirit. Now, now you watch this. There's something I want to show you. In Matthew 12, 28, if I cast out devil with the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Is that alright? Now, what is the spirit? If I cast the devil with the spirit of God, what is the spirit? Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from oppression, freedom from sickness, freedom from the devil. There is freedom because it takes the spirit to cast out the devil. Now the devil oppresses you, devil causes darkness, devil causes all manner of things in your system. But by reason of the sacrifice of Jesus, you are free. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Verse 18. But we all, with open faces beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are what? Metamorphosed. We are changed. Hallelujah. Into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's take it from the Amplified. We are changed. So the more you behold Christ, the more you become like Him. And all of us, as we unveil faces, remember, the veil is what makes knowledge not to come through into our spirit, into our hearts. Are you there with me? Because we continue to behold in the word of God. That's why those of us who don't take time to read the Bible, I pity you. What did I say? I didn't say I sympathize. I pity you. Because you see, you get light looking at the world, studying the world. The world was made flesh. Why is that supposed to mean? You're reading your Bible, you have to get revelation that the world you're reading materializes, if you will, and becomes flesh. It becomes you. You flesh the world. You understand what I mean? In the beginning was the world, and the world was the God, and the world was made flesh. So you study the word, you flesh it. The word becoming you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly, look at that, being transfigured. Did you know what happened on Mount of Transfiguration? Matthew chapter 17. The Bible says transfigured before Peter, James, and John, and all of his face and all the, everything about him became glorious. He said, We are constantly being transfigured into his very own image, in ever increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is what? The Spirit. Hallelujah. 
So the more you look at the word, the more himself with the spirit is becoming you. You becoming him. You transfiguring. But that I mean to say. God expects you to continuously be transfigured, change on a daily basis from one level of glory to another level of glory. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I'm not expecting you to be who you are constantly. You can only be constant in change. More of his glory be manifested in your life. You must first of all come to the understanding that you are being transfigured. You are being changed. You are being transformed. You are not just who you are. You think you are who you are, but you are not. Every day, as you can go on beholding the world, there is a transformation. That's why you need to study the world. The more you look the world, I mean look at the world, the more you behold the world, the more something is happening on your inside, unknown to you. There have to be a transfiguration. Are you following me? Take your word study serious. You want to become like him? Study the word. So if you behold him, you are transfigured. From one level of glory to another level of glory. Even as by the spirit who is the Lord himself. Praise the living God. One more time. The prince of this world is being judged. By implication, the devil have no absolute control over your life. And this comes through what? Knowledge. As you begin to know what Jesus has done, more of his life comes into you, the devil gives way. What's the next thing? More of his kingdom is being released into your life. You begin to experience him in a greater dimension of glory. I'll see you next week.